gives. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. We want to look into the word of the Lord a little bit tonight. And I want to share something with you. The Lord has laid on my heart. Amen. If I were titling this tonight, which I did, it would, it would be, God is not afraid of the dark. God is not afraid of the dark. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to the book of Genesis, chapter number 1. In the very beginning of God's Word, Genesis, chapter number one and it reads this way in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth and the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep and the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters I want you to take special note tonight. It says, darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Amen. You may be seated. Through the years, the thought and the ideology, if you will, behind uh, darkness has created a, a negative connotation. I uh, remember one time I was uh, preparing for another message and another scripture that uh, we have uh, read many times in Psalms 30 and verse number 5. It, it talks about weeping may endure for the night, but joy cometh in the morning. And we have always equated the darkness and we've always equated the nighttime with a very negative experience. And I remember when I was going through the study there, getting ready and trying to pray about it and look about it, and I decided that I was going to stay up all night long as we thought about this particular scripture. And I was going to document, if you will, the experience of being up all night long. Now, of course, this was uh, several years ago. I, I would probably fall asleep on the couch if I tried to do that nowadays. But uh, back then, I was able uh, to stay up a little bit later than I am now. My wife and I teased that come 10 o'clock, it's like a switch gets turned off inside of us, and we're ready to fall asleep wherever we are. Uh, maybe somewhere, I know that may be early for some of you, but it's not for me. But I remember as I stayed up that night, I remembered thinking about and, and writing down all of the things that I noticed uh, in the middle of the night when I was all alone and everybody else was in bed asleep. Have you ever noticed in the middle of the night when everybody is quiet and everybody's asleep, your house makes noises. 
You can hear the water heater as it kicks on to heat up the water. And it sounds like a freight train coming through your front yard. You can sit there and listen and you'll hear things you never heard before. You will hear, if you ever try to do this, it'll be interesting for you. You'll hear the refrigerator kick on and it might be three rooms away, but it sounds like it's sitting right next to you. And I remember uh, as I sat there, I would listen and I could hear automobiles driving up and down the road and it would seem like how in the world do I sleep through all of this when I go to sleep I would sit there and I would listen to all of it and then I would notice that not only were there sounds in the house but there were sounds outside I would look out the window and I would hear something rustling in the leaves. And you know how all of these things go through your mind. And of course, I would think that a burglar had picked that particular night, you know, to come around our house. But I look outside and it's nothing but a possum rummaging around outside in all of what was going on. And I look at all and I began to hear all of these things and think all of these things and my mind uh, was was heightened if you will to certain of the senses that I was being deprived of my sight because of the darkness and because of the nighttime but suddenly a, a whole new world woke up all around me I would hear the wind blow and rustle through the trees and it would sound like somebody was pulling up in the driveway and I'd get up and look and there'd be nobody in the driveway but I would see the leaves beginning to flap in the breeze outside and of course there's always this one branch you know that has to hit the house when the wind blows and it taps on the window and, and, and then you've got when a car passes by you've got the shadow that runs across the window and all of these thoughts and all of these things come to mind and you think that surely uh, the whole house is about to fall apart it's making noise it's creaking outside the wind is blowing surely there's a tornado coming and all of these things begin to build up in your mind why is that? It is because we are in a place of darkness. We are so used to being in the light that we don't really fully understand what it's like to be in the darkness. We don't understand what it's like to really be in that place. Have you ever walked outside in the middle of the night and caught yourself walking just a little bit faster? than you would have in the daytime. Like there's a booger man behind you chasing you all the way. Our mind does funny things to us in the darkness. It begins to make us think things and contemplate things and uh, what, what we see as reality isn't always reality. But in the darkness, there is that moment where all of those things begin to take place and we don't see the things the way we want to see them, the way we should see them, and what reality is really all about. The darkness scares some of us sometimes. 
you don't have to raise your hand, but uh, I wonder if there were any of us that were afraid of the dark as a child. <clears throat> oh, a few hands went up anyway, okay. You had to have mom or daddy or somebody come in and look under the bed just to make sure there wasn't a woolly bugger under there coming out to get you in the middle of the night or whatever the monster is in your particular household. Everybody had a different one, I think, that scared kids to make them stay in bed. I'm not sure. But you had all these things that would go through your mind. Why? Because it's the nighttime. And we are unfamiliar with darkness. Most of us are daytime creatures. There's a few that love to be awake all night long. There's a few that love to go out into the darkness. But for the most part, we are creatures that love the light. And we want to stay in the light. I always tell my wife, she laughs at me because I will say it without even thinking about it. But as the sun begins to go down and we get toward the evening, I'll just look over and say, oh, this is my favorite time of day. And she'll say, really? In all these years, I've never heard that. The truth is I say it about once a week. I love it when things begin to calm down and everybody's getting rested and they're preparing for the night. We don't like our nighttime disrupted. And we like it to be back in normal and smooth and easy as we go through that. And so we have begun in, in our society and in our culture, darkness is a, a negative light, if you will. We, we have carried it over into our forms of speech. Have you ever been uh, like the third person in a group and there are two of them that have a little joke between them and they're talking about it and you have absolutely no clue what in the world they're talking about? What do we say about that? We'll say you're in the dark, won't we? Because that means that you're in a place where you don't know what's going on. And you don't understand the conversation. And so we've equated that to being in the dark, not knowing. How many of you have had to take a test before at school and you look this thing, I'm in the dark. I don't know even the first answer to this whole quiz. We have always equated the darkness to that place of not knowing, that place of fearfulness, that place of realizing that we don't really have it all together the way that we think we do during the daytime. We don't have our senses about us like we do in the daytime. We are a people that like to see things. We like to understand what's going on around us. We like to comprehend all the ins and the outs of what is going on. We're not necessarily a patient people. I don't want to wait till tomorrow to find out what's going on tomorrow. I'd like to know now, please, what's going to happen to me at noon tomorrow. Wouldn't that be awesome? I'm not a patient person. But I have often been in the dark, unknowing, not understanding, not able to comprehend what is going on around me. And, and I have been fearful at times and I have been afraid at times because I just don't get it. I just don't understand it. I just can't comprehend it. It is darkness. I can't see. I can't understand. I can't comprehend. I can't make a plan. I can't figure out what in the world is happening. 
And I just feel sometimes so absolutely alone in the darkness. And yet I find that over and over and over in Scripture, we can see that the Lord does not seem to be bothered at all by the darkness. When the worlds were created, way back in the book of Genesis, the Bible tells us that the world was formed and there was a great deep to the oceans and it was all there and it was formed and it was without, you know, it just was there. There was no uh, order to it. There was no synchronicity to it. It was just stuck there and there was nothing. It was just there. And the Bible says that there was a darkness that covered everything. But that did not bother God. We read in Scripture that darkness was on the face of the water, but at the same time, it says the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. What is that saying? That is telling me that as much as I don't understand the darkness and as much as I can't comprehend the, the things that happen in the darkness, as much as it might bring fear to my life, I need to understand that although I might be afraid of the dark, God is not afraid of the dark. It does not bother God that I don't know everything that's going on. That doesn't hinder the move of God. It doesn't stop God in his tracks because I don't fully comprehend what he's trying to do in my life. It doesn't stop the move of God because I'm just kind of in the dark, if you will, not fully understanding what God is doing with my life. Because the truth is, very few of us in this house really have a really good grip on what God is doing in our lives. Oh, we, we know that we want to walk with God. We know that we want God to move in our families. We know that we want to see our children raised up in the nurture and the understanding of the power of God. We know that we want an order in our life and we want uh, some things to happen and we take those before the Lord. But the truth is when the rubber meets the road and all is said and done, the fact remains that I am really an truly in the dark about what is going to happen tomorrow. I can make plans. I can tell you that I'm going to meet you. I can tell our men that we're going to meet down at 7 o'clock to go see that documentary and be blessed of the Lord. I can share with you that I'm going to get up in the morning and I'm going to go to work and I'm going to do the things that I have outlined in that day. But hear me, the truth of the matter is that it's like a shot in the dark. I've got my plans. I've got my goals. I've got my ambitions. But the truth of the matter is I cannot see tomorrow and neither can you and there are moments in my life when that causes me to be scared and that causes me to be worried because like staying up in the middle of the night 
all of my other senses begin to get hyper fearful. Suddenly I hear things I never heard before. Suddenly things are built up in my mind and I worry about things that I've never worried about before. Suddenly I see shadows that I've never noticed before. Suddenly the wind blowing through the trees, if you will, it sounds like it's an absolute earthquake coming through the front yard. When you are in the dark and you aren't fully aware of what is happening, it is a place that can often be very disconcerting, very disconcerting. If I were to take a survey tonight and come to each and every one of us and say, do you have something going on in your life that you're just not really sure how it's going to turn out and it bothers you and keeps you up at night, I would dare say that there would be several of us that would have to raise our hands or have to put a check mark on a survey if that was the case and answer yes, there are things going on in my life that I don't fully understand and there are situations in my life that I am really hoping and praying and looking forward to the day that God takes care of but if truth were to be told I would have to confess that I'm worried about it I'm fearful about it I'm just not really sure that it's going to be taken care of. And we become sensitive to those things. Things that normally would not bother us, bother us. Things that normally would not be even something we gave a second thought to. Suddenly, those little things are keeping us up at night, worrying us, causing us to fret and, and wonder whether or not God really truly has it in control. And, and that is something that is a trick of the enemy because I really want us to understand that as fearful as we are, of the darkness, God is not afraid of the dark. Um, I could read it tonight, but you'll remember the story of the Apostle Paul as he's on his way to Damascus to throw Christians in prison. The Bible said that on the way there, a great light from heaven shone and knocked him to the ground. And he had a conversation with Jesus. They had a little discussion there on the side. And the Bible tells us that God told him to go to the city and there would be a man there by the name of Ananias that would come out and would pray for him. But here's the point that I find so very intriguing. The Bible said after that encounter, the Apostle Paul was blind for three days. He could not see. For three days, he had to be led around by somebody else. For three days, he had to be humiliated as others would take him from place to place to place. This man that had been a leader 
this man that had been one to grab other people and throw them in prison. This man that was used to being the one in charge and telling everybody else what to do suddenly found himself in a place of darkness. Oh, that had to be difficult for him. That had to be a a horrible place to be. Many years ago, some of you may know, you know a lot of you noticed I've got a, a bad eye. I can maybe see shadows and shapes and colors, but that's about it. When it first happened, I had just graduated from Bible school and come home. I college graduate, you know, and I had just come home. By that time, I believe I was 20, between 20 and 21. 20 about to turn 21 but anyway we were out building a chicken coop with my nephew maybe that's why my wife won't let me have chickens <clears throat> that's a side note we'll take care of that one later and I went to pry a nail with a screwdriver which you should never do the screwdriver snapped and a part that broke off flew into my eye And since then, I have had five different surgeries on it. Didn't do any good. I still can't see. But I remember a very traumatic event that was, to me, more traumatic than the accident itself. After the accident, before I went to the hospital, I walked in the bathroom, and and I was doing this and looking in the mirror, looking at my eye. Sliced open, it was just, it was, it was nasty, I'll leave it at that. But I looked at it, and, and I, I just, I just looked at it, and I thought, well, okay. You know, and then by the time again my mom and dad saw it, well, that was another moment. I was immediately being hauled off to the hospital. I'm not sure I even would have gone. I don't think I even knew how serious it was. And it did not hurt a bit, believe it or not. I don't know if I was in shock or what but I had no pain. So I just thought it's all right. I went to the the doctor, and he immediately made plans for me to go up to uh, Jacksonville, Florida. There was a Baptist hospital, I believe, there, and there was a doctor there, I won't forget his name, Dr. Stamen. A younger fella, uh, and he came in, and, and, and all that he went through, I had just graduated. I had no insurance, no money, nothing, not even a job. I had a job I was supposed to start in a couple of weeks. And so he took me in, and I remember the whole story. I remember as he was wheeling me in on a wheelchair and uh, rolled me right into the hospital. And there was a nurse there at the front desk, and And she said, wait a minute, he can't go in there. He doesn't have any paperwork. And she shoved paperwork. I got an eye that's hanging, you know, and and they're trying to shove paperwork in my lap. I remember remember so clearly. Dr. Stamen grabbed that paperwork. He threw it back at the girl, and he said, he is not going to fill this paper out. This is my patient. We're going into the, the, not the emergency room, but the the, uh, surgery. And she said, but you can't. He said, try to stop me. He said, go get your supervisor. That was the last we ever heard of that. Thank God for real doctors. (laughs) 
He was about ready to fight for me. Thank God for that. But he took me in, and, of course, they knocked me out, and you know how much I love needles, and I was knocked out. And they, they did surgery on my eye, my, my, my right eye. And I fully expected that in the recovery process, I would have a patch on my right eye. I, I expected, I anticipated that. I had prepared myself for that, that when I wake up, the right eye is going to be covered up. It's going to have a patch on it. And every now and again, they're going to come in. They're going to work on it and, you know, make sure I'm not getting infection and all of that. And so I was fully prepared for that. But the next thing I remember after doing the countdown backwards, you know, when they give you the anesthesia, the next thing I remember is waking up in that hospital room and I could hear things going on around me, but I can't see a thing. Nothing. And all I could think was, dear Lord, I'm blind. And I panicked. And Fortunately, maybe not so fortunately, but they didn't have my arms tied down. And the first thing I did was rip all of the bandages off of my eyes. Because I didn't realize that they were going to bandage both eyes and keep them shut. I thought I was blind. I panicked. That moment of, of not seeing of not understanding, of hearing voices and hearing things going on in the distance, and yet I couldn't see it. That, that totally, uh, to, be, to be honest, it totally freaked me out. Here I am, a man of 20 years old, and I'm blind. That, that's all I could think of in my mind. And I ripped the bandages off, and I was so thankful. I could see. Of course, they all panicked and they ran into the room because all the sensors were going off by then because I wasn't even supposed to be awake yet. And beep, 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 boom, 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 all this stuff, you know. And they come running in. And I remember the nurse, what did you do? I said, I took the bandage off. I thought I was blind. I was mad. Because I freaked out for no reason. I lost it. I don't like to lose my composure, but I did that day. And I was angry, and I was mad, and I let them know it. How dare you cover both of my eyes? I only had one that was surgery. I thought I was blind, and boy, I just unloaded on those nurses. Poor nurses, it wasn't their fault. <clears throat> and I'd like to tell you that I apologized. But I was too mad. To this day, I'm not sure I ever apologized. I'm going to have to ask the Lord to forgive me for that. But in that moment, folks, I freaked out. And, and later, when Dr. Stamen came in, I was still mad. And I said, why in the world did you have to patch both of my eyes? 
And why do you still have me, both of my eyes, patched up? Because the nurses got really mad and my mom got mad back. And guess what? <clears throat> when mama says do it, you just do it. She started crying because I was freaking out. And all right, put the patches back on. I'll talk to the doctor myself. <clears throat> he said, I have to do both eyes. Because if you'll notice, when you move one eye, the other moves with it. And so we had to guard against you using the eye that we just did surgery on. And so, therefore, we don't want you to use your eyes at all until they're fully healed up. Because even though you can see, what you do see could be taken away from you if you don't let the healing take place. That needs to be. And so for a whole week, I was in the hospital laying in bed. And folks, back then I used to have hair. I couldn't get a shower. I couldn't brush my teeth. I could not wash my hair. And that bothered me. I was grimy and I was nasty and I just didn't feel good and I didn't want anybody to come see me, just stay out, leave me alone and all of that. Why? Because I, I just, I, I lost it. I, I really thought I was blind and that bothered me. Folks, in the Apostle Paul's life, he didn't know it. But I would imagine he freaked out a little bit when he got up from that encounter and suddenly he could not see. And perhaps for the first time in his life, he realized he did not have things under control like he thought he did. Perhaps for the first time in his life, he realized that as hard as he had worked and as much effort as he had put into it, and as he tried to cover all the bases of what was going on in his life, there was always the idea that some way, somehow, in, in a moment, it could all be taken from you, and there you are, left with nothing, and being led around by people that you were one day before throwing into prison. Just like that, his life was turned upside down. Because suddenly, for the first time perhaps in his life, the Apostle Paul was in the dark. The Apostle Paul had no idea what tomorrow would hold. He had no idea where he would head up from here. He didn't even know where he would wake up the next morning. He didn't know if he would wake up the next morning. 
He did not know who would be talking about him or who would be saying things about him or who would be conspiring against him. He had no idea. He suddenly found himself at the mercy of the very people he had come to destroy. That had to be upsetting. That had to be unnerving for the first time in his life something drastic had happened that was absolutely out of his control and he could do absolutely nothing about it so for three days he sat around and just contemplated his future. For three days, he sat around and just contemplated what was going to happen to him. Where would I go from here? What will I do next week? How am I going to make ends meet? Do I go home to mom and dad? Maybe mom and dad weren't even there. Do I have friends I can fall back on? The only people that are really stepping up and taking care of me are the very ones I was coming to destroy. Oh, how unnerving. How unsettling that had to be. For three long days, Paul was in darkness. Not only physically, but emotionally, spiritually, mentally. He had no idea what was going to happen. But I am so thankful to tell you, God's not afraid of the dark. Paul's darkness did not stop God one iota. Although Paul was going through a traumatic event, and although Paul was walking in darkness, the Bible tells us that in the background, God was visiting a man by the name of Ananias. And he was telling him, listen, there is a man by the name of Paul. And he's going to come to you. And he's going to need prayer. And I'm telling you, Ananias, when he comes, you need to answer him. You need to respond to him. You need to reach out to him. Ananias said, oh, no. Can you imagine that? You are in your deepest moment of need. And the first one God contacts about it says, Good! <laughs> Leave him there. Because he wants to throw us in prison. You read about it in the book of Acts, chapter number 9. Ananias did not want to do it because Ananias was afraid. But folks, in the middle of Paul's darkness, God moved just as he did in the beginning of time when darkness was upon the face of the deep. God moved on the waters. And throughout history, there has been time after time after time 
when men and women in the Word of God have found themselves in darkness, not knowing where to go next or what to do. I think of Joseph in the pit, not knowing what was going to happen, not understanding what was going on. But the whole time, God was not afraid of the dark. God is not afraid of the darkness even in your life because you have to understand that God can work in the darkness just as much as he can work in the light. God can do a miracle in the darkness just like he can do in the middle of the daylight. God can heal somebody in the middle of a shouting, dancing, glorifying, service or he can heal them quietly in a corner somewhere. Those things don't matter to God. He's not afraid of the darkness. And although it troubles us and although it bothers us and although we get all worked up about it, God is sitting over there looking at us sometimes thinking are you done? We throw our little hissy fit. Are you done? We throw our little temper tantrum. Are you done? We throw our little worry and fit and fearful way. And God is just saying, are you done? Because I've got some work to do as soon as you get this out of your system. Folks, I want you to understand tonight, and I, I, I'm bringing this message to a close. But each and every one of us will have moments of darkness in our lives when we just simply do not know what tomorrow holds. We look at our family. We look at our children. We look at our loved ones. We look at our church family. We look at our community. We look at all the things around us. And if we were to allow it, worry would just upset us. And we would just be always fearful and always afraid and always wondering and praying and somehow just hoping that somehow we make it through. But can I just remind you, in the middle of whatever darkness you are experiencing, God is not afraid of the dark. Why do you think sometimes we want God to just get all upset like we're upset? Ever seem like you prayed about a situation that had you just all, all, all out of whack and it just seemed like God was just sitting there? Because he's not worried like you're worried. He's not upset like you're upset. God is not afraid of those moments. Read the story of Job. And Job lost everything. He lost everything. Except for his wife that was trying to convince him to go ahead and curse God and die. Now in fairness, she was going through all that mess too. And the whole time to realize God is the one that said to the devil, Hey, you want to mess with somebody, mess with Job. God did that. <laughs> God did that. You read the story of Job, his friends showed up. How many days did they sit around the fire with him before any of them spoke? Do you remember? Was it three or was it seven? 
Long time. They're, they're, they're there. The apostle, I'm sorry, Job is going through the worst event in his life. His friends come around and just say, and they don't say a word. They're there, but they do absolutely nothing to bring him comfort. And that's another whole sermon altogether. Ever been there when the people that you thought cared and loved you brought you no comfort whatsoever in the middle of your greatest traumatic time? We'll, we'll deal with that the next time. But there he was. And they, they did nothing. And when they did speak, all right, Job, what did you do wrong? <laughs> You're in a dark place, and we know it's your fault somehow. Seven days. Thank you. His friends, talking about making a dark moment even darker. They, and then I love God's response. One of them, if you read it, boy, he went in this very eloquent moment. Boy, he just, he was waxing poetic. And he went through all of this long speech. And I love how God responded. If it was in today's terms, it would have been something like this. Who is this idiot? <laughs> you read it, Book of Job, toward the end. That's exactly what God said. Where was he when I hung the world? He doesn't know anything about me, and yet he's trying to have this big, long, eloquent explanation. Job, it's going to be all right. And God wasn't afraid of the darkness in Job's life because God knew there was a plan that at the end he was going to be much better off than in the beginning. So whatever we deal with, and, and I bring this to a close right now for sure, whatever you're dealing with, whatever situations are cropping up in your life, whatever hardships, whatever things are causing you fear, Whatever it is that keeps you up at night and you're fearful and you're wondering, God, it, it, would, it would crush me if this happened or that happened. Or so. let, me, let, me just, let me just give you a little bit of peace tonight. God is not afraid of the dark. And whatever you are dealing with, trust him. Know that in the background, God is working. And God has it under control. The Apostle Paul had no clue that the whole time he was there blind as a bat, life turned upside down, that God was working on a fellow named Ananias who did not even want to help him. But God was working as our musicians come. God was working in the background. Why? Because just as God moved on the very creation process, just as darkness was over the whole planet, 
just where life was formed, but it was without it was void and there was no form to it at all. And suddenly God moved on the water. Why? Because God is not afraid of the dark. And so whatever darkness you are facing, whatever trials stand before you, whatever circumstances you are dealing with, can I just remind you tonight, God is not afraid. God is not worried. God is not getting upset. And the reason is, you are his child. Your family is in his hands. Your outcome is in his control. You are a child of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And God can move in the darkness. Would you stand with me tonight? Spirit of the Lord God is able whatever you need tonight whatever problems are facing you I want to encourage you just to reach out to the Lord I want to encourage you just to lift your hands and the Bible teaches us to give him praise and give him worship the Bible teaches us that we can bring our needs before him that we can pray about and seek about and hope that God will be eternal, working, and blessing in our lives. It is not unscriptural to continue to pray again and pray again and pray again. So I'm asking you tonight, if you can step out in faith, if you can make just one act of declaration, that I trust you, Lord. I put my faith in you, Jesus. I trust that you're going to make it all right. I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what circumstances are going to transpire. But I do know this, that you're not afraid of what we're about to go through and what we're about to deal with and what trials are about to come. Because you are able, and you are able to bless my life and minister in all that I have. Oh, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Father, I put it in your hands. I put myself in your hands. Do with me as you see fit. Lead me where you would have me to go. I can't see. I don't understand. I don't have all the answers. But I know that as I walk through this darkness, you are with me. Your hand is upon me. And your word is that as you said, a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. We walk in darkness, but you give us light. We walk in darkness, but you are there. And it's going to be all right. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, just give your all. 
I love you, Jesus. You're not afraid. You're not afraid, Jesus. Minister Lord in our darkness, let us trust you. 